You're listening to Adishokbe Live, the Afrobeat podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to episode six of Adishokbe Live, the Afrobeats podcast. I'm Adishokbe Olajide. This is sponsored by World Remit, the fastest and most reliable way to send money to friends and family in Africa. Supported by Afrocene TV, LM Media, and Afrowaves, and of course, shot right here at the Afri Media Studios in London. This is where we break down all the Afro pop culture headlines or whatever headlines that we see that I've got a thought or a view on. We're going to break it down here in the studio on this podcast every week. Make sure you support, subscribe. For, for anywhere, subscribe at anywhere that you get your podcast. Be it YouTube, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud. Just hit the subscribe button, share with family and friends, and let them enjoy these headlines too. Now, let me look at some of the headlines that we're breaking down this week. The first one is, the NSARS movement rumbles on as the world remembers Black Tuesday. Whiskey finally releases the long-awaited Made in Lagos album, and popular Ghanaian music manager Bulldog claims artists use Juju, a.k.a. Voodoo, to excel in their music careers. And Burner Boy takes over popular Igbo Darden radio show. And final one, uh, amongst a lot more, is the, the shocking video of dancehall legend Biddy Man seen collapsing during his mother's burial. We'll be looking at that a little bit closely. And of course, lots, lots more. We're starting in Nigeria. The NSARS movement rumbles on as the world remembers Black Tuesday with the burning question of who gave the order for the military to shoot at peaceful protesters. Um, the governor was seen on CNN categorically denying giving the kill order. So the question remains, who did give that order? It's been a week since the Lekki massacre or what we now know as Black Tuesday in Nigeria where peaceful protesters at the Lekki toll gate was fired upon by the Nigerian army and lives were lost. According to Amnesty International, 12 to 13 people died. And we've seen the governor has now come out to say they can confirm two deaths associated with the Lekki massacre as well, which means, to be honest with you, there are lots more people sadly missing and dead. The story goes on that... Um, some of the military personnel that shot and killed peaceful protesters took the bodies and put them in a van and, and took them away. So there hasn't been a lot of physical evidence to back what the likes of DJ Switch and everybody on ground on that day saw. Um, but this last week has been very emotional to, to say the least. We're all remembering what was supposed to be uh, a peaceful protest where young men and women in Nigeria stood up and spoke up spoke out against injustice and definitely standed, were standing outside of the toll gate with their arms up, waving their flags and singing the national anthem until the gunshots went off. Uh, during the week, the federal delegation from Nigeria, the, from the presidency, which included ministers and, and other commissioners, went with to visit the governor of Lagos State and then they went to the toll gate uh, to have a look at what was left of the toll gate and, and just have a look around at the damages that have been done and caused. Um, and, and what turned out to be a shocking video was a former governor of Lagos State, uh, Governor Fashola, was seen walking around and inspecting with his arms behind his back and looking around and inspecting what the toll gate, the, the, you know, the remains of the toll gate. And all of a sudden, there was a very conspicuous camera. A camcorder was somewhere 
around the toll gate that the former governor, currently minister in Nigeria, apparently saw first. And then he pulled out his handkerchief and picked it up like, you know, it was some evidence that needed to be looked at a little bit closer. It became a hashtag challenge on social media, which was a hashtag fashion challenge where he faced a lot of mockery. Uh, rightfully so, in, in, in our opinion, where people started to do the challenge where you walk around looking like you're inspecting things and then you find something that was conspicuously placed and act like this was a surprise that nobody else around you had seen before. Now, um, Fashola was a very respected governor of Lagos State who uh, in some quarters was was seen to have improved you know the conditions in Lagos state and his, his leadership has been widely praised over the years until he went into the federal ministry and became a minister but I can say here now that his reputation definitely was smashed particularly this last week when they saw the shameful behavior of him finding a conspicuous camera just hanging about um after that, uh, of course, social media went crazy, and then there were some of the members of the House Assembly, I think it was the Assembly of Lagos State, also went further to criticize the young people. One that was stinging was a former actor and celebrity, Desmond Elliott, who spoke up in the House against young people in Nigeria who had protested during the NSAS movement, criticizing the role of social media uh, during the NSAS movement and criticizing the young people as well, going, almost going as far as saying that social media now needs to be relegate, uh, regulated, even though he didn't use those words, but he said that if something wasn't done about social media now, in five years' time, there might not be a Nigeria. Unfortunately for him, uh, social media is a place that does not forget videos of him four or five years ago when he was contesting for the same House of Assembly seat where he faced the media, said publicly at the time that social media was responsible for his victory into the House of Assembly. So what happened to you, Desmond Elliott? He used to be a celebrity and an actor that a lot of people within the culture celebrated, had a lot of fan base. You know, the Nollywood industry celebrated him and thought by him going into government, this is another opportunity for a young person who understood the pains that all Nigerians were going through that was a lot more connected to the younger generation and the people in Nigeria. And hopefully he will be in government for change. But this is what he's done. And what I'd say to that is this. One of the reasons why young people and most Nigerians don't have faith in government officials is exactly what Desmond Elliott has displayed in the last one week. Somebody who went into government with a lot of, you know, belief that he could change the system. Somebody that we felt had connections to the current state and, and probably was one of, you know, the people before he stepped up into hierarchy. And the minute he walked into those doors, those rooms where decisions are being made, he became somebody else. Started to speak against the very people that have supported him for decades and continue to support him, particularly into this position that he is. He went on the news to, to deny the fact that he was trying to have social media regulated and went on to even shed tears during an interview that the reason he was very passionate about speaking on this matter was because in his constituency, 
the NSARS movement that turned into a bloody demonstration in some parts of Lagos had affected some of his constituents who had lost property that they've gathered for decades and people who had lost a lot of money and investment. And that passion was what he spoke of or he spoke with. Um, a lot of people, including myself, I think he should have taken a minute. Like I say, stop and think before you pass the message across. There are millions of people that are not only listening to you, but also support you, particularly being one of this young group of, of Nigerians that we hope one day will do something better. But no, he didn't. He spoke like one of the oppressors, somebody that had joined the crew that was comfortable, that had forgotten his humble beginnings and how he got into power and the tools that elevated him to power, wanting or speaking against that only voice that young Nigerians and many Nigerians around the world have to speak and criticize and bring to justice or to book some of the behaviors of current and past government officials. Hopefully, Desmond Elliott and his colleague, uh, another lady who also spoke embarrassingly and said that young people in Nigeria are only notorious for getting high and doing nothing and are lazy. It's shocking when you listen to some of these people and, and, and when you think that these are the people that are supposed to be creating a future for the, creating a path for the future leaders that are supposed to be holding offices right now. Understanding that the young people are responsible for shaping the future of her children too. But what happens is people get power drunk the minute they get into position and have their pockets full and start driving around in comfortable AC cars and have security can travel into London, America for healthcare, they forget about the common person. Hopefully this is a lesson that not only does social media never forget, but the people will never forget. And in a couple of years time, we hope that you know, people like these who have shown what their true colors are do not get the opportunity to continue to, to possess those positions where they make decisions that affect millions of young people in Nigeria and across Africa. Hopefully, their errors, they will be made to pay for those errors at the polls, you know, legally. Like everybody says, it's time to go register to vote. Make sure you do if you're in Nigeria or you're outside of Nigeria and can go into Nigeria to vote for your elec elections, make sure you register to vote and get people that will represent your interests the best possible way into positions. None of these guys, man. These guys are embarrassing. I've got to be honest with you. Now we're moving on from that into the second headline, which is the superstar Nigerian Afrobeat singer, Whiskey aka star boy Wheezy of Surulere, Lagos, finally releases his much-anticipated album, Made in Lagos on Thursday, the 29th of October at 11 p.m., two weeks after originally scheduled. If you remember, the Made in Lagos uh, conversation had been rumbling, had been going on for over two years. I think Whiskey started talking about this album in 2018, July, during an interview. And since then, it's been a case of would he, won't he? When would he, when will he not drop this album? And until 2020, I think it was July, one day he went on social media and started to thank the producers and collaborators of this album. That was the first indication that fans of Afrobeats music and particularly Whiskey got that the album was finally going to get a release date. Fast forward to September, he named the date as I think the 20th of October or something like that or the 13th of October. 
one of those dates. Unfortunately, the NSARS movement and protests went into that date, particularly with the Lekki massacre. So he had to push it forward. He pushed it forward a further two weeks. And then, boom, came the announcement that at 11 p.m. on Thursday, the 29th of October 2020, the album was finally dropping. It has dropped. I have listened to it. And here, my, here is my thoughts on Whiskey's album. I think, first of all, um, as an Afrobeats fan, I always tell people that I want my Afrobeats superstars and artists to continue making Afro-infused Afrobeats music because that's what got them to where they are. You, there's no reason why you should become a superstar and all of a sudden you're starting to sound like another artist, your production is completely different, there are no percussions in your, your, your production beats, there's nothing that identifies you to your original roots. It doesn't make sense. So, on that note, made in Lagos, Afro-infused, Afro-beats, boom, it hits the mark. Production quality, absolutely top-notch A-star. Singing ability, I don't think anybody has to question how Whiskey does. You already, knows, you already know what he is going to provide on an album or a song. He delivers perfectly on the songs as well. And then when you look at it as a body of work, you listen to it it absolutely flows into one another. I said in 2019, at the time when the mixtape Soundman EP, Starboy featuring Whiskey came out, I said at the time that that project was probably one of my favorite albums of 2019. And people thought I was crazy. And the reason I said that was this, the vibe of the album, the production quality, the Afrobeat sounding themes in there with Kel P and the other producers that worked on that album, I was disappointed that Whiskey didn't take that EP on a little bit more and say, yo, this is a Whiskey album. But he had a bigger plan. And that was Made in Lagos. Made in Lagos, in my opinion, is part two of the Soundman EP. It's the same type of vibe. It features the likes of LMA, her, Skepta, uh, Damien Marley. You know, it brings together a collective of musicians that you would understand, enjoy music from an artist like Wizkid. He has a little bit of R&B influence in there, obviously a little reggae influence in there, a little Afro Bashman influence in there, but definitely Afro Beats remains the core of that album. If you are an Afro Beats fan or a Wizkid fan, I think you could take a sit back and say Wizkid delivered on this project perfectly. A lot of people were saying, oh, maybe he needed to do some Lambas for the club. What usually happens with stars like Wizkid or Drake is that when they, when they release music that absolutely sounds great, you play it so many times, it becomes a club banger. That's what happens. It's going to make you get on the dance floor. It's going to make you pull your... I, I even said something, but listen, this is funny, right? I listened to the album. There's a song on there, I think it's Wine Something. You know, that, that song is just... It's a mixture of bedroom vibes and dance floor vibes. So is Whiskey officially the first Afrobeats artist to make a combined album that delivers on both fronts? I think you can be the judge. But in my opinion, this album hits the mark and has done incredibly well. And based on the support he's gone amongst his pairs, you know, the likes of David O's posted the album, Yemi Alade, and many more congratulating Whiskey on finally delivering the Made in Lagos album to the rest of the world. Make sure you go check it. But it looks like Starboy Wizzy 
is here to stay, including Burner Boy. Did I mention the collaboration with Burner Boy, Ginger? That's ridiculous, man. You just need to go and check that out. Absolutely amazing. Um, I can't, I, you know, I, I've listened to it in 24 hours that the album came out. I must have listened to it at least three or four times. And that says a lot. Because there are a lot of albums that have been released in the last one year or the last five months that I haven't even listened to twice. So this, because it's Whiskey as well, it gives you the opportunity to spin it again and again because you want to just be, you know, you want to listen to it and take it in well. But he's done well with this. Uh, we're looking forward to David O's album. It's, it's interesting when you mention Whiskey. The next thing is to think about David O and because David is dropping his album in the next couple of weeks. So the industry, you know, we await that one very, very soon too. But for Whiskey, Shout out on that album, my brother. That was incredible. Now, over to the UK, where Nigerian singer Burner Boy takes over legendary producer Ibo Dadin's Beats One show, uh, calling it the Miseducation Radio. That's interesting. To discuss the NSARS movement and the advancement of black, black people around the world. This included guests like P. Diddy, Black Coffee from South Africa, Files, the rapper from Nigeria, and Banky W from Nigeria. Now, Ibro Dadin is a hip-hop uh, broadcaster in America who's held down Hot 97 for decades and eventually stepped up into Apple Beats One Radio, one of the top bosses there. He has a radio show every week where he interviews guests around the world, breaking down different types of music. But this time, Burner Boy took over that radio show alongside Ibro where he was interviewing the guests and speaking specifically about the NSARS movement. Uh, it, it was a fantastic interview where you see Burner Boy speak to Files and Banky W about the NSARS movement and you know the aspirations for the young people in Nigeria and the way forward after this movement. And then he now switched lanes and spoke to Black Coffee from South Africa, talking about black music, particularly African music, not being under one umbrella, which they've given us as Afrobeats. Black Coffee, if you don't know who he is, is a popular DJ from South Africa who is notorious. Adeshokwe Live, the Afrobeats podcast sponsored by World Remit. For pushing Afro house culture to the fullest. He's been successful not only in Ibiza, he's been successful in Las Vegas. He's toured with P. Diddy. He's coming to Europe. He is a legend of African music. And he was breaking it down, just saying, yo... You know, African music has its different layers and different sounds, but it's okay to have an entry into the world, but the world needs to understand that every single area and tribe has its own flavor of music. And if you really are passionate about African music and learning about your heritage, do the, you know, do the work. Investigate what sounds you're enjoying. If it's the if it's the rumba bonga flavor from East Africa, if it's the hip hop highlight from Ghana, if it's the Afrobeats Niger pop from Nigeria, if it's the Afro house kwaito or gum from South Africa, take your time to do your diligence. And I think this this uh, radio takeover by Burner Boy definitely did that. One hour show by Burner Boy as well. He also displays the fact that the brother can actually handle the mic. That's one of the scary things about some of the entertainers nowadays. Not only are they great with whatever discipline that they do, which is music or film or whatever, they can also dip and dab into other parts. We've seen the likes of Chris Brown be a successful painter, an artist. They just have the all-round flavor to make. I, I, I listened to Burner Boy and I was captivated. Like, yo, Beats One could actually give him a show. 
If I was the bosses at Beats One, I'd give him a 12-episode show and just let him do it. Like, yo, bring your friends on, do the interviews, and let's just listen to you guys interview each other. It was fantastic. And Ebro was just there, just adding a little antidote here and there, but he kept quiet most of the time. And he was just listening to these guys do their talking and handle their business. And that was fantastic to see. Shout out to Better Boy, uh, Ebro Darden, and the entire, you know, Apple Music team. Now, from that, you know, after a tough couple of weeks, we go to Nigeria, where the entertainment scene, you know, and I, the album releases and single releases have now stepped up. The last couple of weeks with the NSARS movement has completely clipped the entertainment industry and shut down the entire industry. Nobody has been able to release music or do anything in the movie sector. Everybody just had to keep quiet and really just focus on, on the fight that everybody was fighting on. However... Now it looks like the entertainment industry is starting to get a lift with the likes of Tiwa Savage releasing a brand new video, Ole featuring Nara Mali. Obviously, you have the likes of Yemi Alade dropping, you know, the, the live session to the Poverty Swahili version. You have Whiskey video, No Stress. You have The list goes on. Burner Boy even dropped a single, 201020, which captivates or captures the mood, the feeling, and the entire story around the Lekki massacre on the Black Tuesday. So it looks like after the dark cloud of the protests of the last couple of weeks, the entertainment industry is starting to kick into gear, knowing that the year is wrapping up, the entertainers are starting to release music and put their projects out. You know, um, I've said in the past that when is the right time to come out of such an emotional time and start to release music and do what you do, work for your daily bread to be able to fund your passion. I don't know, you know, and I, I'm not sure if anybody is, anybody else out there knows particularly the right time to do that. But hey, um, it looks like the, the audience, uh, their minds, our minds are now ready for that. And hopefully we'll be able to support all these brand new projects and entertainers that are working hard to kind of entertain the entire industry and just get some positive energy back into the system. You know, it's enough. You know, it's, it, it's um, some of the images that we saw so depressing that we need the right type of lift. However, we need to stay focused and ensure that we remember, never forget Lekki 2010-20 uh, and ensure that every single young person from Nigeria do whatever they can to ensure that we never see a day like that again. Um, over to South Africa, where popular DJ Spitzer tweeted congratulating a, a young rapper in South Africa saying, you know, you, you had the best hip-hop album of the year and the hip-hop in South Africa is in great hands with that young rapper at the helm. Unfortunately for him, the Kaspanyoves fans, Casper uh, Yoves being one of the biggest superstar rappers in Africa, his fans on Twitter took that as a diss at Casper Yoves, who recently dropped a brand new album that smashed records in sales, in streams, in popularity. And everybody started to tweet at DJ Spitzer saying, yo, that's a disrespect to Casper. When you're trying to say, you know, that, are you trying to say his album was whack? Are you trying to say hip hop in Casper's hands are not, is not in a safe hand? DJ Spitzer, after receiving a multitude of tweets and retweets and whatever, he came out on Twitter to say, yo, I'm sorry, I didn't mean a disrespect to Casper Nyobes. I was just speaking about that artist particularly, and shout-outs to Casper. And Casper then responded on Twitter saying, 
You had my number, Spitzer. If you wanted to clear anything, you could have called me. Why are you speaking on social media, allowing this negative conversation to continue and give, you know, Twitter trolls and, and people something to talk about? The fact that you even came to social media, you know, it's a little bit off. You should have called me. Uh, and one of the reasons people were quick to attack DJ Spitzer is because he's got history in criticizing rap artists in the past. He had criticized rap superstar Nasty C uh, recently where he said he was disappointed with Nasty C's project or rap album that he didn't do well. And Nasty C gave an interview where he came out and said categorically, DJ Spitzer, you are nothing to me for me to disappoint you. I make music for myself and my fans. And your comments, to be honest, has no weight in my quarters. And you can keep it to yourself. So I think that social media rumbling from Nasty C's response to DJ Spitzer had the Twitter people a lot already. So the minute he started talking again, boom, they were hard at him. And I think this brings the conversation of being a music critic. If you're a music critic, when you say, thing, when you say things that are positive about artist albums and, and, and stuff, you get a lot of support and applause and people love you and they say, yeah, you're a fantastic critic. But when you say the contrary to what people want to hear, the majority, they say you're a clown, you're cloud chasing, you don't know anything about music. So it's a different position to be in when it comes to being a critic. That's why I usually, first of all, say I'm a music fan first. I'm an Afrobeats fan first. So when I want to critique your music, I'm going to critique it from a fan's stand point of view. And ultimately, regardless of my critique, whether I believe that the music was great, the production was fantastic, the lyrics were incredible, your vocals were just too wavy, the fans are the ultimate critics. If I, as a music critic, believe that your record was rubbish, and that record goes on to sell a million or two million copies, what does that mean? Does that actually mean that I was right, that the, re the record was trash, but the millions of people that bought the record and supported it felt that it was otherwise? So ultimately, the real critics when it comes to music are the fans. You know, I know some people always say, you know, you can't judge, you know, music by the amount of sales that it has. In my opinion, I think you can. You know, music was created for people to enjoy. And if a large number of people are enjoying it, then that means you've done something right. And, you know, yes, you can be a critique in talking about maybe the sound wasn't clear enough, the mixing was bad, you know, the, the, the production quality was low. You could critique things technically, but you can't overtly critique the success or how great music is because that criticism comes from how fans and people respond to it. It's a difficult job being a music critic, but somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> well, from there, we move over um, to the UK, where superstar rapper and mogul and our favorite Little Bizzle makes the viral videos again. Now, this time, 
You've got to love me, Little Bizzle. First of all, he is a superstar rapper and a music mogul who's been successful for over two decades, continues to be relevant within the music scene. Um, in the last one week or a week and a half, there's been a massive conversation about designer bags Birkin. Uh, created or made by the Hermes brand. I think each one costs about $20,000 or upwards of $20,000 or whatever, where some of the American, African-American superstars, I think one female rapper said on camera that if your man ain't buying you a Birkin bag, you need to kick into this curb. And that started as, you know, a, a conversation on social media where the likes of Cardi B, who's constantly seen with Birkin bags and promoting this brand, also said something probably to that effect. So people like Jim Jones, the rapper, came up and said, yeah, listen, they understand the Birkin bag is classy and whatever, but do brands like that really appreciate the affiliation with the African or the, the African-American or the black community? We saw champagnes in the past. The reason Jay-Z decided to create the Ace of Spades was because Cristal, that was popularly being you know, shown off by the rappers in rap videos, came out publicly to say they never welcomed the publicity that they got from the black community. So this raised those conversations again, that does the Hermes brand actually appreciate the support that the black community and the promotion that superstars like Cardi B and Sowetie and all of these people are bringing to the brand? And then my brother Little Bizzle does a video here that went viral saying that his DMs has been loaded by beautiful women trying to shoot their shots. And then he went for, uh, further to say, listen, if the reason you're sending me a DM is because you feel like I might be able to buy you a Birkin bag, you've come to the wrong place. Skin gang. Coronavirus has held everybody down. A man's not spending that type of money buying a bag for any woman. You can go elsewhere. Shout outs. Anyone that, shout outs to the Fredo and all of them guys. They probably might be able to buy you a Birkin bag. But for me, I'm taking a chill pill on this one. But for me personally, I think I'm going to stand personally with Jim Jones, which is the same energy that we can put with brands like Hermes and Birkin bags and whatever. Why don't we look for high fashion black owned brands that are making just as incredible bags and we put that energy to them? Because as Jim Jones and others have said, are, are these brands happy with the amount of promotion and and, and awareness that the black community is giving them, personally, I don't know. And neither have they come out to say anything. So we're going to watch this space and see how that goes forward. Now, staying in the UK in a post and now deleted video, um, Afro Bashment and, you know, star Kojo Fons recorded a video refuting claims he tried to chat to a 15-year-old. I think this is a story that has been kind of moving around in social media for quite some time and... And Kojo Fons felt the need to record an eight-minute-long video, which he has now deleted, where he was basically saying, I'm a grown-ass man, I get girls around the world, and I would not, never, try to chat to a 15-year-old. I believe that, um, you know, in the video he was even saying that some people had told him in the past not to talk about it because of your brand, or blah, 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 but he just felt the time was now to just speak about it and done with it and move on. But later on, it deleted the video, which also meant that some people around his team or family felt the video was unnecessary. Regardless of the contents of the video, 
we never know what the true story is or whatever. You know, the, the, the artist has always been a standoff guy who says, you know, that's just some Twitter or Instagram troll or whatever that's trying to put him into some headlines. But what I wanted to face or discuss around this issue was the use of social media by celebrities to refute or confirm claims, allegations, or send out press, uh, uh, press releases. I personally believe that uh, celebrities and everybody should be free to use their social media to do these type of things. Because nowadays in the world of social media and the press where they can twist your words, the most reliable source to get your words out to the fans and to the people undiluted is through your own social media space. Yes, it might be uncomfortable sometimes to speak about it, but it's still, in my opinion, is the most is the safest place to pass that message across. Nobody will be able to twist your words. Nobody will be able, will be able to uh, alter your video. Nobody will be able to alter your press release. Nobody able, will be able to do anything that you don't want. This will be strictly from yourself to your audience and the intended audience. And what we've seen now in the last couple of years are people like powerful people like Beyonce goes from her press release on Instagram straight to the headline on CNN. Which means that, you know, media platforms now even rely on artists' social media to get confirmation or denial of whatever stories. And for me, even though the stories might be uncomfortable to address, I still believe that celebrities and artists should be allowed to use that social media in a way that, you know, you, you can pass your message out as best as possible and your words will not be taken out of context or construed in a way to make you look bad. Like I said, the contents of the video that Kojo Fonz put out, nobody could confirm or, you know, or deny whatever is in there. I, I don't know anything about the story. It's just been the, the normal uh, Instagram or Twitter chatter. But the decision to use the social media, I stand by that. And I believe a lot of people should do that more. Now, from Kojo, we go over to Ghana, where Shatawale usually dominates the headlines. Uh, but this time, his manager, Bulldog, caught the headlines whilst on a big uh, cooking TV show called The McBrown's Kitchen, where he revealed that his former artist and client, Papi, of the 5-5 movement, her fame resorted to black magic, a.k.a. Juju, a.k.a. Voodoo, to excel in his music career. Now, Bulldog was, you know, in this TV show where he was cooking and, and started to talk about his career, where he started from, he started as a rapper, and he started with Papi, and then he went to university in Benin and came back to Ghana, and all of a sudden, Papi had become one of the biggest rappers in Africa. Uh, Five Five had the biggest song then, Mujebaya, and he said he had evidence, it could be video evidence, that confirms his allegation that Papi of Five Five Music resorted uh, to Juju and Voodoo to, to excel in their music career. Now, I'll tell you this. Being in the Afrobeats industry, we've heard stories. I've heard stories of, you know, people having lit, lighting candle lights overnight and, and, and doing all sorts of stuff, carrying, you know, uh, putting animals in the room and, and doing all sorts of shady rituals just to have a hit record. And um, 
this conversation, whilst the conversation was happening with Bulldog, the presenter actually told Bulldog that, yo, you're live on TV. He could sue you for defamation. Guess what Bulldog says? He better not try it because I still have the evidence. I'm thinking, what evidence is that? Is that is that the, the artist walking naked in the middle of the night, covered in blood, being sprinkled, all sorts of liquids, saying, Humbulobo to mini cha hit music. Or, or what is it? You know, I'd like to see. We've heard those rumors in the past that some artists in Africa resort to traditional means to ensure they get that big banger in the club. How desperate can you be? You know, we've heard of sexual favors. We, now we're hearing of spiritual favors. <laughs> Yo, this is killing me. Like, I, I, I just, I pause for a second to think about it. How desperate can you be? that you resort to, well, we've heard in the international arena of people selling their souls to the devil. We've heard of, uh, what's that What's that uh, group thing called, Shay? Illuminati. We've heard of the Illuminati crew. We've heard all sorts of stuff. So maybe this is just a, you know, the Illuminati in Africa. But hey, if Papi of Five Five decides to sue Bulldog, we're going to get physical evidence of the allegations. But boy, how desperate can you be, though? Juju? For a hit record? That's ridiculous. Anyway, over to the States, where this week, uh, model and wife of John Legend shared in an open letter on social media the heartbreak they felt losing a child. Now, this is a very sensitive story where John Legend and his beautiful wife, Christy uh, Tegan, posted on social media images of um, what looked like a labor room where the expected child uh, sadly lost his life. Um, she shared that on social media and uh, received a lot of backlash for it because people felt that those were two intimate stories to share with the public. Uh, Christy responded with a post and a personal note to everybody saying, that was her story. She had carried her fans and followers along the pregnancy story, and she felt like she owed it to them to share, unfortunately, the sad ending to the story. And in that, you could see a, a, a picture where they were both kind of cuddling um, the, the lost child, and, and Christy was in tears, and John Legend was sad. For me, I probably would be in, in the same you know, position with a lot of people saying that probably is a little bit too much to share with with the, the public. However, I am an adult you know, enough to understand nowadays that people deal with situations completely differently to each other. You know, you see people, some people will deal with that type of situation, go into their own shell, deal with it within the family quietly, whilst other people would love to speak about it to heal properly and i think christy and john legend in this case are probably one of those and fans and followers on social media would have to respect their wishes that they want to share this with the world it is a traumatic time nobody can imagine the loss of a child particularly um after carrying that pregnancy for the entirety or, or the duration of the time to to be waiting for the moment where they were going to be celebrating the delivery uh, and 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 this happens um but it, once again um the images are there on social media very strong uh sad emotional images and it, i believe everybody has a right to deal with issues like this the best way they see fit 
in her case, she would like to show it to the world. Um, from there, we move on. Staying in America, where this is a hero news, actually, where popular comedian and Wild and Out co-star DC Young Fly said in an interview with The Breakfast Club that he wouldn't return to the show unless Nick Cannon was at the helm. Over a couple of months ago, Nick Cannon, the, the founder, the creator of Wild and Out, um, that has gone on for about 20 seasons or something ridiculous like that, uh, lost his job and the, and the show was cancelled because of some anti-Semitic uh, statements he had made in a podcast like this where he was speaking about, you know, something that he probably didn't know too much about and he lost his partnership with MTV, lost the contract for, for Wild and Out and everybody, the cast and crew of Wild and Out all lost their jobs just like that. So in an interview with Breakfast Club, uh, they were speaking to DC Youngfly, who had been rumored in the past to be groomed to take over from Nick Cannon as the official host of this hugely successful franchise. Uh, DC Youngfly re responded in that interview to Charlemagne and Angela Yee saying, yo, regardless of how well people have spoken about me taking up this position, if the opportunity ever came back to being hosting uh, Wild and Out, I will be turning it down unless Nick Cannon was in his position too. He said the only reason he'd want to take over that job is if it was officially passed down to him by the OG Nick Cannon. And this is a commendable statement. This is a commendable action. Uh, we, we don't see this enough in our culture because most times black people are too quick to run to take an opportunity that their brother held for years. And, and be like, yo, they came to me. It wasn't my fault. But if you know the sensitivities around this, he even went forward to say he was employed by Nick Cannon, not MTV Wilder now. Nick Cannon believed in his talent. So to come and take a position that the person who believed in you had been fired from is just uncomfortable for him. And I just felt that headline in itself needed to be celebrated. So young men and women within our culture could understand some respect and discipline and just have some principle that we stand together, even though Nick Cannon might have done something wrong. But in this case, he wouldn't be taking the position unless offered to him by Nick Cannon. So shout outs to the brother DC Young Fly for standing firm on that one. Now, staying in the States, the BET Hip Hop Awards took place last week with the customary ciphers uh, taking place. The highlights for me would always be the Afrobeats angle, where Burner Boy performed alongside Chris Martin, Monsters You May. And then the ciphers saw the political cipher, which included African rappers and one representing Nigeria, South Africa, I think South Sudan, Kenya, amazing rappers as well, Vector was on there, but um, Burner Boy for me and that performance with, with Chris Martin was fantastic. This is the BET Hip Hop Awards. Um, usually we don't have any stake in there. We probably have one category that looks at an African rapper. Last year it was Sarkodie that walked away with it. Um, Nasty C was nominated, but this year it was about the performance with Burner Boy. In my opinion, I think I'm going to go out on a limb saying here, Burner Boy has done everything in 2020 to ensure he picks up the top gong at the Grammys. He has not only released a brand new album, he has promoted it on international platforms from Sky to 
to Breakfast Club, to Hot 97, to Apple Beats One, to Time Magazine, to Channel 4, whatever. He has done absolutely everything, including headlining at the BBC One Extra Live, headlining and selling out the SS, uh, the SSE Arena in London, Afro Nation in Ghana, in Portugal. He's done everything. And I think, you know, executive producing by P. Diddy on the brand new album, Twice as Tall, listen, he's done it all. But this performance caps it for me. The fact that they also allowed, you know, an Afrobeats artist to perform at a hip-hop award shows the length that the team is going to to ensure that Burner Boy really pushes this international status well, but also to be in the face, front and center of the American societies to make sure that this guy walks away with the gun. If he does not walk away with the Grammy, I've got news for you Afrobeat stars. None of you would win it because he's done everything. He's produced great music. He has done the interviews. He's done, spent money on the PR. He's done the marketing. He's gotten one of the biggest voices in the world in P. Diddy to executive produce the album and promote it on his behalf. He's done everything. So if he doesn't pick it up, then everybody should just forget that and let's focus on our Sound City Awards in Lagos and MTV Awards in Africa. If uh, the Mobos look our way, fantastic. If the Brits look our way, brilliant. But this is going to be the ultimate litmus test. But in my opinion, I think Berna has done enough to walk away with the Grammys. But what do I know? I'm not a voting member. I'm just an Afrobeats fan. What would I have said anyway? <laughs> is that Berna should take it. Um... Yeah, over from the States, we're going to Jamaica, where a scary video went viral, apparently showing dancehall superstar music icon Beanie Man uh, fainting whilst at his mother's burial. Um, Beanie Man was seen car being carried away by a couple of people as he had collapsed whilst his mother was being buried. Uh, obviously, a very traumatic experience for anybody. To, to, to witness, and I think Beanie Man had a close relationship with his uh, mother. He put a, a, a press release out just saying that it was a very traumatic experience, uh, and it was sad that a video, a personal video of that was being shared around social media going around the world. You know, Beanie Man is a music icon, not only in Jamaica, but around the world. One of the biggest superstars to come out of Jamaica, rocking dance song music and promoting such a brilliant culture to the rest of the world. And it was heartbreaking to see, you know, images like that uh, being shared on social media. But talking about Beanie Man, I wouldn't want to leave it on that side. No, Beanie Man um, was part of the BET cipher where he represented for Dancehall and Jamaica alongside Bounty Killer, uh, Coffee, Skip Marley, um, and Shensia. And I've got to say, if you haven't seen that cypher, go check it out. Um, it's such an amazing cypher to hear Bounty Killer's voice and then Beanie Man and Shensia and, you know, the young ones from Coffee. It was just incredible. And Beanie Man fired some shots at Billboard in that cypher where he reminded you guys that what we did for the Versus and you omitted us from the magazine. And that shows the iconic status of Beanie Man. Such a genius to take an opportunity like that to remind the world how incredible dancehall has been, particularly during lockdown, and how it transformed the fortunes of 
the Versus project by um, Timberland and, and Swiss Beats. And then that little disrespect that, that uh, the Billboard magazine gave them by not speaking of their impact. Fantastic. Shout out to Billy Man, man. Incredible legend. And that cypher is fantastic. We're getting drawing closer to the end now as we switch lanes and return to the UK. Um, <laughs> this one, yeah, I don't even know what to say. We switch lanes and return to the UK where a video was shared on blogs showing popular rapper Gets in police custody and a passersby recorded him um, whilst he was in handcuffs. If you know me and know anything about UK rap that I listen to, Gets is top two dead or alive for me. Point blank, period. Like, everybody knows. I see Shay in the background. He agrees with me. Carla's got his own, you know, he's got his own decisions about who's top two or whatever. But Gets is top two dead or alive UK rapper. Facts. And to see this video... It was kind of heartbreaking for me. Um, in the video, uh, Getz can be seen speaking to the young man that was recording the video saying, you know, someone had driven my car, spun around in it, and the person is no longer here. I walked back to the car when I saw the police there, and unfortunately, they arrested me, thinking that I was the suspect of the car. We don't know what the, what the real truth is, but we all know that usually... That's a story that the police hear a lot, hence why they put him in handcuffs. Like, whoever drives the car maybe doesn't want to get caught for breaking the law one way or the other, sometimes disappears from the scene. So when Gets walked up to the scene and has the conversation, they instantly confirmed that he was his car and they arrested him. The, you know, the reason why this video for me, uh, I wanted to talk about it, um, was... I wanted to talk about it in addition to another video that I saw going viral on social media, where famous Nigerian singer YQ was seen in a video apparently recorded by his then-girlfriend asking him to leave their family house as he had allegedly failed to pay rent and support for two months. Now, these videos were recorded by people that were close to the people in the video. Maybe the young man that recorded Gets His Own was not a friend or whatever. But I feel like those videos didn't have any place on social media. YQ's video by his girlfriend, I felt like that. If you've got issues, you can have issues that you want to settle. But recording yourself whilst telling the man to walk out of the house and sharing it on social media that he hadn't paid his rent and support for two months... It's just going a little bit far. Social media never forgets. Sometimes you will go back to that relationship and mend that friendship. However, the video that you shared will live on social media for life. The young man that recorded gets his video might have seen this as an opportunity to go viral. But do you think that this was a positive image or this was going to help the rapper gets? Coming from that video, that could affect his, you know, his opportunity to make money and to work in the business for a long time. It affects his income. Does that make you happy? It gives you a couple thousand followers. But does that really make you happy? So I just wanted to bring that, you know, to the fore and say to people, sometimes when we find ourselves in positions like that, we need to stop and think before we share the videos. I've, I've been in those positions as well, probably share videos that I shouldn't have shared. But nowadays, I, I now... I've come to the realization that we're doing more harm than good by putting contents this personal 
in the public space. Yes, you might have had a problem with your boyfriend in YQ and you wanted him to leave the house. That's fine. That's between y'all. It shouldn't be on social media. And, and, and the one we get, hey, my brother could have gotten a thousand views or a couple thousand retweets or whatever. But still, that puts a young black man in a position where the embarrassment is there forever for him to face. Is that what we want to be doing? That's definitely, you know, we, we, don't, want to, we don't want to be doing that going forward. And um, finally, on this week's edition of Adi Chopin Live, the Afrobeats podcast here from the Afro Media Studios, of course, supported and sponsored by World Remit, is what I now call the Shopsy Do's and Don'ts. This week, the Shopsy Do's and Don'ts is this. Sharing unsolicited content via WhatsApp. This has been one of the biggest problems we have had over the last few years with the use of WhatsApp growing. People have felt the urge to share unsolicited content such as fake news, fake medical remedies, horrific murder videos, torture, sexual abuse, and my least favorite, morning prayer points. It's important to ask friends and family if they would like to receive this content before just sharing it on assuming they would just be as excited to see these horrific videos and ridiculous content without checking first. We don't have the same tolerance level to horrific and ridiculous stuff on WhatsApp. Um, and in some cases, social media and some of us, or, or in social media, and in some cases, some of us remain traumatized for a long time with it. I personally can't watch anything with blood or any video showing any form of child or adult abuse. So the shocking state it leaves, it, it leaves me in led me to doing this closing piece for our supporters around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, think, stop, and think before you share another ridiculous content on WhatsApp. And this message also goes to my mother too. I love you, mom. But those morning prayers is getting a little bit tiring now, bruv. Ask me first if I need those prayers before you share it with me. That wraps up this week's episode of Ali Shopware Live, the Afrobeats podcast. Make sure you share, like, subscribe, and come next time as we break this down. As we usually say every single week, if you support, we'll continue doing this. Until next time, it's peace and I'm out. Right. 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 Right.